Good morning, Christ Church. We are in Eastertide, and it's a stretch of several weeks when we focus on the resurrection presence of Jesus, the resurrection power of Jesus, and you know that Eastertide is longer than Lent. Now, if you just take, yes, hallelujah is the right word for that. And uh, you know, it's kind of symbolic that um, what has the last word? What is bigger and greater? And that is the victory of Jesus over all trials and suffering and the day will come of the final resurrection that declares his shalom over all. So Eastertide, we're in the middle of that, and we celebrate that in a number of ways. And uh, one is our lectionary readings, our schedule of Bible readings that we do in the services focus on the resurrection through Eastertide. Um, we also will sometimes do something that's just, let's get together and celebrate. So we did that last week. We did a backyard party. We've done that in recent years during Eastertide. Let's just... After a fast, let's have a feast. So we did that last week, and many of you came out for that. We also had the mosaic unveiling, which you might have seen walking in. Did y'all notice that? That was really fun to just have a gathering of you and people from the neighborhood, some people from the previous church that worshiped here, Primera Iglesia, was here with us. Just a beautiful day uh, of celebration. During Lent, we come face-to-face with the crisis of the cross, with the sadness, the dejection of the disciples, the disappointed hopes of the disciples, and, and then dawn cracks as the sun comes up from the, dark, dark, from the darkness with the resurrection of Jesus. And today, that happens with a couple of disciples who are walking on the road. They had heard about the resurrection. Somebody had told them about it. But you can tell as the story unfolds that they didn't actually believe it and until they have this encounter with the resurrected Jesus himself on the way to a town called Emmaus. These disciples, these two, are right at the threshold at this moment in today's story, right at the threshold of crisis and hope. They cross that threshold in this face-to-face encounter with the unexpected presence of Jesus, whom they thought was dead. So Jesus draws near to them. That is actually the little language. He draw, I love that language. He draws near to them, and he makes himself known to them. But it's a slow process. He makes himself known to them through the scriptures. He makes himself known to them in a meal when he breaks the bread. If you have your Bible or if you have the text or you want to pull it up on your phone, whatever, we're in Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to read from verse 13 from what we just heard in the gospel reading. Luke 24, verse 13. It says, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. That's, by the way, about a two to three hour walk. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. So they've just experienced a whole event in Jerusalem, the, the trial, the crucifixion, the burial. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. They walk and talk with Jesus along the road without realizing it's him. This is a fascinating scene. I mean, I would just love to be kind of like witnessing what's going on. This passage shows us from Luke that shows us ways of encountering God. And we're going to focus on two particular ways in his word and in his world. 
ways of encountering God in his word and in his world. So this, ta- this right here, the screen, down at the bottom, you'll see the word. We meet God through his word. This is the foundational means of encounter with God. Foundational, literally, that's why it's at the bottom of the screen there. Everything is built upon that. Foundational means of encounter with God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The living word and the written word reveal God to us. Jesus then teaches the scriptures to these two men as he's walking with them. Verse 27 says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them, to these two men, all the scriptures and all the things in particular concerning himself. He walks them through Israel's scriptures and shows them how all the scriptures point toward the Messiah. He is still unrecognized by these two as he unpacks those scriptures. Can you imagine how amazing that would be to be like to hear that? Like we we listen to Bible studies, we listen to sermons, we listen to teachings, we do Bible studies in groups, but can you imagine being in this Bible study? Jesus himself walking you through the scriptures, the best Bible study ever. If we spend time in the Bible, we will find ourselves in it. As we walk through these scriptures with Jesus, we will find ourselves in the story that we are reading. And this story we find ourselves in becomes our story. Not just a far away and distant time, but something that's living and active and right now, and we're in it. And we realize this is our story. The divinely inspired books of the Bible have this incredible cast where it doesn't matter who you are, there's some way that you can identify not just with someone, but usually several different kinds of characters. There are peasants and prophets, poets and warriors and kings, shepherds, fishermen, tax collectors. There's all kinds of, the cast of characters is vast and it's got every human experience you could ever encounter in your own life. In here are victory and jealousy and blessing and redemption and betrayal, miracles, resurrection. Holy Scripture is the story of God as creator and redeemer of the world, the story of God's great love for his people and the extent to which he goes to bring hope and healing and justice And the forgiveness of sins. It's the story of God's relentless pursuit of his people who are lost, who are afraid, who are broken, who are enslaved. This is the story of scriptures. And Jesus walks them through this story. And they will find themselves literally part of the story by the end of Luke 24. Later, once they finally do recognize him, verse 32, it says this. They said to each other, did not, this is after they realize who it was, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? After the fact, they realize, they recognize what extraordinary thing had just happened and what happened within them. I love that imagery. It's really, this is really beautiful. Burning hearts. 
when we see Jesus for who he is, our hearts ignite. We meet God through his word. The disciples just received this remarkable teaching of God's word. Their hearts were burning, and yet their learning remained kind of abstract, notions, ideas, and often teaching that might just stay at the level of teaching if, if we don't do anything with it, or if there's not something added to it, can, relate, can remain at that level of just of notions and ideas. It took something physical to recognize God in the flesh among them. It was an embodied act with the stuff of creation that finally enabled them to realize that they had an encounter with the living God, these two coming together. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, this is at the end of the walk, he goes and has dinner with them, he took bread, Jesus, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And it says this, verse 31, then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They recognized him in the breaking of the bread. We encounter God through his word, and we encounter God through the world that he made. I've made a slide to try to capture the relationship between God's word and world God's word, God's world, and the ways that we encounter God in both. Our text today in Luke 24 brings these two together beautifully. And so um, in what I'm going to show you, I'm, I'm trying to bring these two together. So you'll see an inverted triangle. Let's put that slide up. And the foundation here, again, is God's word written and living. Another way to say it is the Bible and Jesus down at the bottom. We read the Bible like Jesus did. On the road to Emmaus. He taught through Israel's scriptures, through the lens of what they have to say about Jesus, what the scriptures say about Jesus himself. We read in the same way, we read the scriptures through the eyes and person and teachings of Jesus. That's how we read the whole Bible. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end. He was before our creation, and through him all things were made. So there is the foundation. Now, this inverted triangle represents our world. The whole cosmos, the heavens and earth and everything upon the earth, every single creature, every landscape, every starry night, every physical phenomenon from sound waves to quantum mechanics and physics. Within our embodied life, there are what you might call then beneath that privileged places within the creation and cosmos. Privileged places of encounter with God. Privileged places are, are places that when we spend time there and we pay attention, we're more likely there to experience the heart of God, the character of God, the beauty of God than in many other places of our life. Privileged places within the creation and cosmos. It's still seeing, even in these privileged places, we still see through a glass darkly, and we will until the final resurrection. But there's something sacred that puts us closer in these places to the burning heart of God, the burning, living word of God. So here are three of the most central 
kind of privileged places. You could probably describe some other ones, but I'm highlighting these three, and I think these three are, are perhaps the most central, and we see them in Scripture. Community. That has to do with relationships. It's in each other that we encounter Christ so often through the love of each other, through the experience of each other, through the ways that we're stretched, the ways that iron sharpens iron, the ways that we comfort each other. As we love and are loved, as we know and we are known in community and in relationship, we are tapping in that space into a kind of like permeability to the presence of God in a unique way. When we live that kind of life in relationship and in community, there's a kind of accessibility to God's presence and voice and character and beauty in that space. In other ones, the least of these, Jesus himself tells us this. In Matthew 25, he says, when you go to prison and visit the prisoners, when you feed the hungry, when you clothe the naked, when you, when you encounter those who are the poor or the least among you, the, those who are vulnerable, when you are serving them, you're serving me. We have an encounter with Jesus himself, he says, when we engage in those places and among those people. And then the natural world, we see that throughout scripture as well. The Psalms are full of it. The psalmists are always declaring the glories of God and how the heavens declare the glory of God. Romans 1, Paul tells to the Romans, he says, even people who don't know anything about Jesus, they know something of a creator. They know something of the divine just by creation itself. These are access points that we have, privileged places in the cosmos and creation. Next one, this one actually goes along, meals with community. Um, you could put it under the community um, label, but I'm highlighting it here because Luke highlights this. If you read through the Gospel of Luke and you say, where do people, what's the context in which people most often are encountering Jesus? What are the privileged places in, this, in the gospel story of Luke? It's at meals. It's true in the other gospels too, but Luke especially. Try this sometime. Just read through the gospel of Luke. Have a little colored pencil with you. Mark every scene that has something to do with food or a meal. And then go back and turn the pages and realize how much of encounter with Jesus is in the context of meals. Jesus is constantly having meals with all kinds of people. He is, he's often at a table with despised people, in fact. So often is he with despised people that he gets a reputation that people who don't know more about him and don't know better, they call him a drunkard and a glutton because he's always hanging out at meals with people, whether it's food and wine, with other people who are drunkards and gluttons. But that's who Jesus hangs out with. That's where you can find Jesus, and this kind of goes back to the privileged places. He shows grace at meals. He enacts mission at meals. He demonstrates hospitality at meals. So much of the gospel story comes out, and so much of who God is and what the heart of God is like comes out in meals. His choice of dinner companions tells us so much about Jesus all right, let's go down one more level in the triangle. The holy meal. The sacrament. When we encounter God in creation with attentiveness to his presence in all things, places, people, 
time. When we're attentive to God, in all creation, we're living a sacramental life. That whole triangle, when we live attentive to God, is a sacramental life. All of our lives and all of creation, however, funnel down to this one embodied act that Jesus said, I want you to remember me in this one thing. Have this meal together. This is how I want you to remember me. All creation, all of our experience, all cosmos, all the cosmos funnel down to this one embodied act, a moment of communion. And the reason this triangle is inverted and the holy meal is at the bottom is that it gathers everything up above it. It bears the weight of the world, if you will. It bears the weight of everything going on in the world and all creation. It all comes to this point. And right there, it all touches the living God. Where the word and the world come together, that's a representation of Jesus. That right there is the center of the universe. Everything we encounter in this world, every pain, all suffering, all beauty, all redemption, all goodness, everything, it all comes together in Jesus right at that point. Everything that was, everything that ever will be, the love that reconciles all things Right there at that point. The one in whom we put our hope as we make our way through the trials of the slice, it all comes right there and gathers at that point in Jesus. The incarnate and resurrected Jesus, the word make, made flesh. So we have in this gospel story in Luke 24, not only do they encounter Jesus himself as risen, but they encounter him in creation and this coming together at a meal and specifically in the bread. Now here is what Jesus wants you to consider today. Remember that scene when they had been walking with Jesus and they arrived at the home and you might recall in the gospel reading where it says, and they invited Jesus in for a meal. They really, in fact, prevailed upon him to stay for a meal. It says they urged him strongly, stay with us. I love that language. What it, what it says to me is something of their hearts were burning. There was a burning and a yearning. They knew something was happening. Something was in the air. Something was in the presence of this person. There was a, a hunger and a longing, a yearning, a burning, and they were like, just stay close. He drew near to them, and now he's saying, would you just stay near? This plea, this urgent, they urged him strongly, stay with us. And this might be what Jesus wants you to consider today. That you might say to him, would you stay? Would you stay with me? In this, what I'm experiencing, what I'm going through, this trial, this suffering, this sin, this battle, would you stay with me in this? And if you do, 
open that door, he will come in and he will break bread with you. He will have a meal with you. He will add you to the company of dinner companions. The kind of people he dines with, even you, he'll have a meal with. And even me, he'll have a meal with. Because we're not all that different from each other. Or from the people he hung out with in the Gospels. He will come in and break bread and he will draw near to you and he will open the scriptures to you and your heart will burn within you and you will recognize his presence when you join him at the table, when you join him at the table of the Lord's Supper here today, when you join him in his word. And when he breaks bread with you, he will take your life into his hands in the same way he takes that bread, in the same pattern of his own life, the same pattern he took with the bread at this extraordinary meal in Emmaus. And what is that pattern? What's the pattern that he does? He says he took the bread. Luke tells us he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. And that's what he'll do with our lives. These four actions are exactly what he did just a few days earlier at the Lord's Supper, just a few days before. And this is the good news. If you feel unknown and unseen or heavy-hearted, disappointed, stuck in patterns of sin, Jesus draws near, he draws us into the story, and he makes us his own. He ignites our hearts. And just as he takes the bread and blesses it and breaks it and gives it for the nourishment and the joy of others at that table, he does the same thing with our lives And this is where we find life. This is where we find meaning, is being in his hands where he takes and does with us the same thing he does with the bread at a meal. Where we find life, where we find meaning, where we find purpose, our perfect freedom comes from placing ourselves in his loving hands. And so first, we invite him in. We invite him in for dinner and we ask him, like these disciples, would you stay stay with me? Would you stay here? Would you stay near? And the answer he gives to every one of you and me, is yes. He comes. And he comes in to share your table. And then I want to invite you to give him your life and put it in his hands. No matter what the condition it's in, no matter how embarrassed you might be about it or ashamed of it, to put it in his hands and trust him. Let him take hold of your life like the bread and know that you're safe in him. You're safe in his hands, the gentle hands of the living God. He took the bread and he blessed it, and that's exactly what he will do with me and with you, with our life in his hands. You'll inherit his entire estate. You will be blessed. He will bless you. You'll be heir to all that he is and has. You'll become an heir to the riches of his love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. You, as you put your life in his hands, he will take your life and bless you with his spirit, his very self. So he took, he blessed, and then he broke. And that is also something that will happen when our lives are in his hands. There'll be ways in which he will need to reset some bones that have grown in the wrong way and ways that we perhaps uh, don't function and walk like we're supposed to, and he resets us, 
you will find the ways that you're not whole when you're in his hands. But it's okay, because you're in his hands. As you find, discover those ways that you're not whole. You might already see the brokenness, and there might be some things that he will show you, but remember, you're in his hands, and there is cost before the growth that comes, a suffering that comes before glory. There's a crucifixion that comes before resurrection, but resurrection comes. And so will you allow yourself to become holy and whole in his hands? Let him remake you, taken, blessed, broken. And then lastly, it says, and Jesus gave the bread. And this is our delight. This is our destiny to be given, a people given. We become, in fact, a sacrament to the world. There's kind of a full circle element to that. The world, there's a sacramental life of this whole world of that triangle in which, in which we encounter the living God. But as we become a sacrament in his hands, as we become the bread in his hands, as he takes, blesses, breaks, and then gives, we become a sacrament for the world where people encounter the living God through us, through you. Think about what that says, what that means. You and I, you and I in the hands of Christ are a gift to others. You and I in the hands of Christ can nourish other people. We're blessed to become a blessing. You and I can become bread with meaningful, purposeful, self-giving lives that feed the world. So Christchurch, let's become a people of the burning heart. Be taken into the hands of the living God and be blessed, broken, given, becoming people who are a nourishing gift to the world, who live on the foundation of the living and written word of God. And be on the lookout for those incognito moments where Jesus is right there with you and then he reveals, after the fact even, as you look back and say, he was with me all along. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are nearer than we think. You are closer to us than we know or realize until you open our eyes. So we ask, Spirit, would you open our eyes to your presence around us? Would you open our eyes to who you are in your living, in, in the living and written word? Open our eyes to who you are in the world around us. And as we come to the table today, open our hearts and our eyes to your presence in this meal that you commissioned to us. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.